Easter. This is War Council, a hobby-centered podcast for miniature enthusiasts. My name is Caleb Dillon with White Metal Games. Hey guys, it's Philip with Brushwork Minis. And this is episode 24. We're going to be interviewing Matt from Titan Terrain Studio uh, today on the show. Uh, it is Easter. Happy Easter. Uh, if you are out there stuck in church right now or stuck at your in-law's house enjoying dinner, uh, I, I applaud you because we did not travel this year. We decided to... Kept it local. We kept it local. We um, Because we're not we're not Christian, um, we're not religious at all, we don't really celebrate Easter. And on top of that, my wife is taking a trip this week for her school for work, uh, so we just decided to sort of play low-key. Uh, I'm not even having turkey. I'm not having ham, nothing. No Easter drippings for me. Mm. What about you? Do you, uh, do you celebrate Easter at all? Uh, we do, yeah. Uh, growing up, we, we definitely were involved in church and all that. But um, Clearly not this year you're not celebrating. This year, not really. No, I mean, we did go to church this morning, um, but other than that, it's really just, uh, we're having salmon tonight. <laughs> so, not a traditional ch- Yeah, I was going to say, dinner. that's not really a traditional Salmon, and I don't even know what the side is. So. I don't know exactly how, um, so it, I guess you could think of it like, turkey, I don't really know, I guess turkey's just a Easter food because it's easy to serve a bunch of people because it makes a know. lot, but I always think of ham when I think of Easter. But ham is like an unclean meat in terms of Jewish culture, so that kind of goes back to the religious aspects. And like on top of that, I don't even think Easter has its origins in Christianity. It's like originally no, right? It was like a pagan holiday, right? Yeah, hence the bunnies, right? The goddess of fertility, bunnies, and I've heard like rumors about like the goddess was actually called Ishtar or something. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, Estar, I think, is what it was. And then the same time of year, there's a, um, it's either a Muslim or Islamic holiday, I always get them confused, called Norwuz, which is basically their, kind of their new year. And a lot of the traditions from Easter derive from that too, such as like um, the, 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 what do you call it, the, the grass in the basket and the bunny rabbit. So they have a lot of similar, like, it's a, it's a spring, um, not orthodox, equinox, it's a spring equinox mm-hmm. tradition. So I think spring and fertility and all that kind of stuff and... Um, I guess the Christians kind of jumped on that bandwagon. I mean, I'm not really for sure how that worked out. I think it started, I mean, it was definitely before Christianity. Right. I think it was... Even Maybe it was one of those empire-building things where, like, the guy Probably. was a pagan, and he was like, oh, I don't want to get killed, so I'll be Christian now. We'll just call this holiday that. Yeah, I think that was the guy, yeah. right? Yeah. So, smart guy. Um, <laughs> all right, well, off of Easter, um, so... Oop, Sorry. <laughs> So off of Easter and moving quite on, we actually did start to um, track our podcast listeners recently. That's been something we've been interested in doing for a while. Now, it's important to note that we track listeners from two different scenarios, iTunes and um, our website directly. We're using a podcast download statistic analysis program, which is a long way of saying there's about 40 people that download the podcast from um, from our website directly. So thank you mm-hmm. to all 40 of yeah, you. Yeah, thank you, guys. There was actually 50 but 40 of them were unique, so I guess 10 of you got confused and had to come back. <laughs> or close your browser because your wife was watching you and there was porn or something, yeah. and you were like, let me shut this down real quick. Boosting ratings. I Boosting was on clicking it over and over right. and over again. Oh, yeah. That's, well, so that's why there's unique ratings. Oh, that's true. It's like revving your car in the engine on yeah. the driveway trying to get the mileage out. Um, so thank you for all of you guys, and if you listen to us on iTunes, thank you as well. We're not tracking you over on iTunes, but we will be sometime in the near future. Um, if you are listening to us and you'd like to give us your opinion, feel free to email us at warcouncil at whitemetalgames.com. Before we jump in on the painting desk, um, I think some of you know we've recently been kind of expanding. We've had a real boom in service recently, mm-hmm. a lot of requests. I think part of that is due to Philip being such a regular part of our painting crew now. Uh, and I think part of the other part is that there's a lot of new expansions coming out. Kickstarter just released 
Um, the Kingdom Death guys just released all their expansions a couple days ago. Yeah. We're getting a lot of requests Ooh. for that. So we'll have a lot of that coming down the road. With new projects and, and more business, we recently set about looking for new painters, but we really struggled to find anybody. Um, ironically, we, we now kind of picked up um, Jonathan. Uh, he's a local painter who runs his own little painting service called White Lightning, and he's been helping me out around the studio quite a bit. So we'll be posting some pictures of his work to show you what he's capable of. Um, he's an orc fanatic, and all I can say is like every other breath out of his mouth is orc. So if we have another orc project coming down the road. I guess I'll, I'll, I'll let him work on it. But, uh, you know, I told him one day he was asking for advice. And I was like, well, I looked at your portfolios and it's just orcs. And he's, he's like, well, there's also amiibos. And I was like, okay. So you're an orc and amiibo <laughs> painter and that's it. I don't so, know what amiibos are. Yeah, they're like, um, you know, when you play um, on those Nintendo games and there's like a, a figure, like a, it looks like a chess piece, but it's like have Legend of Zelda on the oh, Mario. And there's a chip yeah. inside of it. It's like some sort of avatar. Well, apparently people hire you to repaint those. It's a thing. Huh. So he's not the only guy that does it, too. In fact, we had some guy touch base. Um, he wanted a Super Dungeon Explorer painted up, the set. And it immediately made me think of the Amiibos, because they kind of have an anime feel to them. Okay. Uh, but that guy didn't get back in touch, so I think that we lost that, that connection. Honestly, I don't know if I really <laughs> would be hurting. No, those anime ones are a little weird to me. Yeah. Well, well says the guy. Yeah. yeah. Says the guy who paints Kingdom Death. Yeah. Which is basically which small is anime. Nightmare. All right. Scary. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, well, <laughs> if you are interested in having your amiibos painted, reach out to us because um, Jonathan is now doing some small commissions. So we'll, we'll be sure to pass them on to him, and we can show you some of his work. I like the big anime eyes. I would be totally into doing, like, big old Isn't that called, eyes. like, chibi? Isn't that what they're called? I don't called? know. Kibi? I didn't know that it was an eye for that. C-H-I-B-I, like, I think it's like, right. I see it on Facebook. Cause Do you? Why, are you following, like, weird... No, I follow, like, hobby hangout things, and, no, that, and people better. post that. So. Chibi eyes. All right. Well, we're going to take a brief break, <laughs> and we'll be right back with On the Painting Desk, and we'll be right back after this. Hey guys, it's Caleb with War Council. Are you a purveyor of stuff? Are you an entrepreneur with something to preneur? Do you sell things related to tabletop gaming, painting, or some other aspect of the miniatures hobby? Would you like to advertise to like at least three listeners a show? Then you've come to the right place. War Council has a limited number of sponsorship slots available. Each slot guarantees you a banner ad on the White Metal Games website, and we're like 300 likes on Facebook right now, so clearly at least 300 people can be bothered to click the like button at some point in time in their lives. For $20 a month, we'll promote you and your products on the show. For $10 more, you can have an entire 30-second commercial, like this one, only, you know, better and more relevant and stuff. Email us at info at for more information, and until you do, put your manies where your mouth is. Hey guys, welcome back. Uh, we're going to jump into On the Painting Desk. Um, as you can imagine, uh, well, you know, actually, I'm going to let Philip start this one off because he had a really big project that finished up today. So, Philip, why don't you tell us what you finished up today? Yeah, so three weeks to the day, uh, we started, or I started, Dark Angels, um, Angels of Vengeance. Yeah. So, uh, it took me three days to build it, and then two now, and a half three days up. doesn't sound bad until yeah. you realize it's 10 Razorbacks and 80 troops. Yeah, 80, 82 troops. 82 yeah. troops, all right. Yeah. So, <laughs> it's, huge. It's, a, it's a pretty big army. It took a while. Yeah, yeah it definitely was a bit... Uh, I wanted to finish it in a little under three weeks, and I didn't. I, it took me three weeks to do it. It was a bit ambitious to try, um, but it was a good experience. Yeah, it, was it was a really lot good. of work. I think it turned out pretty good. We'll have pictures up pretty quickly here. Yeah. And um, it was fun, so... 
we're starting to get a lot of clients now that want these sort of big budget armies. And part of that is that through eBay, we offer some listings that are like 2,000 points for $2,000 where you, you negotiate over price. And this was one of the guys that took advantage of that. So his initial army was a little over $2,000 because he wanted some special stuff. And then he added to that 10 Razorbacks as a separate quote. Um, and because he, he capped $3,000 on his commission, what I did was I threw in a display board. So we also have a, a custom display board to go with it. It looks nice, and um, uh, it's got a nice fortress backdrop you can use. So when he starts to go to GTs, um, I think he's really going to be able to enjoy that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, cool. So um, so you finished up that, and now you're moving on to some, some almost exclusive gold projects. You've got like four or five gold projects yeah. coming right up. It's about, I think, nine miniatures or so. Something like that, so. yeah. It's like and it's it's a nice range. It's like one GW figure, a Reaper Bones figure, a dark dark art miniatures figure, mm-hmm. a real nice figure there. And I'm actually for the first time interested in painting this Reaper model. Really? Uh, yeah. The Bones figure. The Bones figure. Yeah. yeah this is not like, oh, This is actually dragon. decent. Yeah. So Bones, as we've talked about in the past, is just it's just a different material. It it's, it's a cheaper quality, and that's yeah. why they're cheaper models. But this one's actually it's nice enough size so there's decent detail I can yeah. actually work with it and I'm actually looking forward to this one I'm a big fan of that that particular dragon because he's mm-hmm. inexpensive to buy he's less than 20 bucks most of the time so he's a cheap model that's great he's huge in terms of game scale mm-hmm. um, and uh, he's just got plenty of ample space where you can play with the base a little bit you can yeah. do some stuff he, like you said those big surface areas give you room to work and he actually comes together pretty cleanly yeah. I've already like dry fitted everything and yeah. I was actually impressed that it was, it was nice that's one of the things I like about Bones is that you can get some really big figures um, for an inexpensive price like mm-hmm. they're um, their Kinjira figure, he's my favorite, and he like runs about I don't know sixty bucks maybe for or a colossal scale miniature. That's yeah, huge. it's gotta be huge for yeah. sixty bucks. That's amazing. <laughs> you get that dragon for twenty. I can't yeah, imagine how big that is. For sure. I mean, it's it's a killer deal. Um, all right. Well, so the first Mad Max army also got finished up in this um, in the brief time period between this podcast and the last podcast. We posted pictures all over the place. There's a slider on the homepage of White Metal Games. There's also pictures um, on our Instagram and our Flickr. Um, our Facebook feed is delayed by about a month, so you won't see the pictures for the finished army for about a month on Facebook, and that's because we, we schedule posts about a month out. Um, but that being said, the army came out really well. The client was very pleased with it. The display board came out, I think, pretty good. Mm-hmm. Nice orc citadel. Um, and we immediately like moved right into the next orc army, which we've been painting on the entire time. Um, Jonathan's been helping me out a little bit with that, doing some of the base work, which is nice. Um, it's good to have someone else around. We also finished up the Custom Nurgle Demons project. That was for 40 small demons plus two kind of Heldrake stand-ins. Um, we've got a new wave of Brotherhood of Ultramar that just came back in. So those guys are, are getting worked on now. Some or- orcs to go along with it. Um, and we're working on those demo figures for Event Horizon games. So there's a ton of stuff on our desk. In addition to that, the Kingdom Death project for, um, for one particular client continues. Um, he had a huge project, yeah. and we've been two-timing it. Like, I've been giving you some stuff, I've been doing some stuff. And still, like, what, halfway done? Maybe halfway. I think we just broke halfway on the project. Yeah. Uh, and, but on top of that, we've got two other King of Death clients coming up down the pike. Yeah. Um, so we've got lots coming up. We're very excited. Uh, we are currently booking um, for late spring, early summer. So if you're interested in a commission, contact us at info at whitemetalgames.com. We've got um, our painting calendar, which you can find directly on our website to kind of take a look at all the projects we've got going on. Um, although some of them are GW-themed, a lot of them are, are not. Some of them are just other role-playing figures, miniatures. Um, looks like we might have a terrain project coming up down the road. So 
We are open for any type of business. Um, contact us at info at whitemetalgames.com. Let us know what you're interested in. We'll be happy to bang you out a quote as quick as we can. Normally within about, uh, normally within a day, I get back to most of my clients. So we're going to take a quick break, and we jump back in. We're going to jump in with um, rotating segment, and uh, we will be right back after this. If you're interested in advertising on War Council, let us know. We can be reached at warcouncil at whitemetalgames.com. Rates are extremely competitive, but there are limited slots available, so please contact us soon. Hey guys, welcome back. We're going to jump into our special spotlight section this evening, and tonight we're going to be talking about um, display boards and terrain. Since we're going to be talking with Matt about terrain tonight, we thought this was a good opportunity to kind of mention that we also do uh, a terrain service at White Metal. Now, it's not quite as extensive as Matt's. He does have more experience than us, <laughs> but it's not to say we haven't done anything. We've got about um, 15 or so projects in our portfolio, and we're building on that. In addition, one of the projects that we offer now is that whenever we have an army that goes beyond $3,000, we offer uh, a display board as part of the, the package. There's some limitations on it. For example, our international clients, uh, we can't ship a, a giant hard board, like four by three right. foot board. We just can't do it. It's too cost prohibitive. Um, but we, we can do tiled boards, which are basically smaller boards that you fit together. Um, Secret Weapon Miniatures has a great gaming tile system where we actually are doing that for a client out in Norway right now. He's got a Stormcast Eternals army coming up. So if you do a project over $3,000, what we offer you is a display board and a, and a demo. And basically the idea here is that we'll give you, usually it's either an 18 by 24 inch hardboard surface that we texture and paint and coat for you um, in the style of the basing of your army. So if it's a sand board, we'll do sand. If it's earth, we do earth. And then we usually create some sort of modular terrain piece to go with it. For example, for our Mad Max army, we recently did the, the Citadel, which in the Fury Road movie is the place that um, Morning Joe kind of is based out of. And it's where all the, the rigs drive out of into the desert, and there are a big sweeping series of mountains. And they have these big water pipes that pour water onto the masses. And I, just, I thought it was really evocative, so we built it. We did that for our train project for that client. And then for the Angels of Vengeance project, we did a fortress. Um, mm -hmm. The Dark Angels have a fortress of redemption. We did kind of a poor man's version of that where we hobbled together. Hobble's a bad word. We combined. Yeah. We combined and kit-bashed a variety of kits, um, including some leftovers from, from a Fortress of Redemption, from, um, from uh, Fortress Aquila, or Shrine of the Aquila, from um, some of the Bastion kits, some Pegasus Gothic kits, and we put all those together into a, a kind of a, 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 a small fortress. Um, it's actually which, pretty big. Yeah. I mean, you've got pictures on it, so you yeah. can check it out. But. It's sizable. I mean, it's about the same height as Fortress of Redemption. It's just not quite as deep. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't have all the same options, but we, we included a couple weapons with it. And, and really, it's there to give them a backdrop for their display. The point of that is it's a display board. Yeah. It's so that you can display your, your army prominently not only in your home, but also at GTs or tournaments or when you go on tour with your army. Um, Which is a pretty popular thing nowadays. I see a yeah. lot of people with display boards at the tournament, right. so they're hauling it around with them. I mean, when you think about it, like, you know, we've got an interview with GMM coming up, and we think about what that terrain element adds to the look of the army. Yeah. Like, like, for example, taking a beautiful miniature and putting them on a dirty kitchen table doesn't have the same, the same effect, yeah. you know. Like, the miniature looks good, but context matters. Mm -hmm. So we put them against these amazing boards and these beautiful backdrops, and... You know, it just, I, I think it just really completes the project. Definitely. So we're going to have a train service that's going to be launching here in the near future. If you're interested in it before we actually get the page live, email us at info at whitemetalgames.com. We can talk to you about the rates for that. The rates are very reasonable and competitive. 
The basic rate, uh, it comes in a couple different forms, but we have an original terrain rate for scratch-built terrain. And we also do modular kits, like Citadel kits from GW, Pegasus terrain kits from Pegasus Hobbies, really just about anything. So contact us. We'll be happy to give you a quote for your terrain project. You just need to let us know what you're interested in, about how much terrain you need, and we'll work out all the details with you. Um, so we're going to take a brief break, and when we jump back in, we're going to be talking with Matt of Titan Terrain Studio, and we'll be right back after this. Need a model assembled or painted but no money to spare? White Metal Games is now offering trade-ins. Send us pictures of your old models, bits, boxes, even new kits. Make us an offer we can't refuse. Don't like negotiating and haggling? White Metal Games also offers consignment services. You can send us your old models, books, games to sell. We sell them through our eBay store and you pocket 55% of the sales price. You don't have to worry about eBay fees, PayPal fees, shipping fees. There's no crazy percentages, just easy money. Contact us at info at whitemetalgames.com today. Hey guys, welcome back. We're going to jump into tips on technique tonight. Um, continuing with our interview schedule, tonight we have uh, Matt with Titan Terrain Studio um, here on the, the program with us, and we're going to be talking to him about his service and the terrain services he provides, plus he's a miniature painter himself, so he does he kind of does it all. So Matt, mm-hmm. welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, um, Matt, I first kind of found out about you through um, through Blue Table's website. That was kind of where I started to see your work. And uh, at that time, you were basically just doing terrain for them. Um, now you have your own studio. So why don't you tell us a little bit about Titan Terrain Studio, like the services you guys offer, and, and you know, just a little bit about what you do. Okay, yeah. Uh, so Titan Terrain Studio originally started off as, you know, a terrain studio, but we've actually expanded over the last few years into a couple of other areas. We, Our main focus, of course, is, you know, we offer custom terrain services. Right. Uh, we also do uh, miniature assembly and painting for armies, which we've just opened up in the last few months. Uh, and then we also are expanding into resin cast terrain. So we kind of oh. do a little bit of everything. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, really ver- the versatility is really nice to uh, to have with any sort of uh, art studio in the industry. Absolutely. I mean, when we have clients, like, they're always asking, like, do you do this too? Do you do this too? So the more services mm-hmm. you can offer, mm-hmm. I think, the better. You know, keep your clients keep your clients happy. Keep them at, with you as as a as a provider. Yeah, and I get I get clients that'll uh, actually get multiple services. Like we have one client uh, who just ordered an army, uh, and he's also got a terrain set coming as well. So it allows uh, it allows clients to kind of get everything from one person or studio, basically. Yeah, that helps with consistency. I would imagine everything looks similar, everything fits together. You can keep it all flowing nice. So that's smart. Even stuff like basing, where you could have the basing match the board, match right. the terrain, like. Exactly. Uh, Consistency is a huge thing for us. Yeah, because we we recently been playing around with some display boards for clients. It's kind of a perk at higher end projects. And one of the things we quickly kind of realized is like if me and Philip base differently, then we have to coordinate our efforts because which we do, (laughs) which we (laughs) do. But there was a time where I was like, I don't know if this is going to match, you know. So (laughs) so speaking of like that, are you the only? So it sounds like you you offer a lot of different services. Are you the only person there working, or do you have people that help you? Do you have co-painters like? So the way we actually have it set up is it's less of a people working for me, like you know, directly as employees, and it's more of a it's a joint partnership of multiple artists that we all work together they kind of they they do their own thing 
okay. uh, because they also do work on the side for other people. But I've got multiple artists. Uh, some of them were actually former Blue Table painting uh, artists as well. Okay. Uh, Rob and Mike Dunn, uh, the Dunn brothers, uh, I've worked with them in the past, and we're getting into another working relationship here soon. Um, cool. So we have a lot of different people that are uh, – we've got people that are uh, – up-and-coming artists who are established artists just a variance of them right now uh we have lathe is the only official artist who is actively taking work uh the others are all just in the process of uh getting their portfolios together awesome nice so you it sounds like bringing them on board you're able to sort of expand your list of services beyond just terrain but now you've got lots of other people that bring lots of different talents to the table Exactly. Um, I, you know, at the end of the day, I would like to be able to do it all myself, but I'm one man, so I can I can only take on so much work at any one point. <laughs> yeah. So I, I've dabbled in terrain a little bit. I mean, I, I, I when I first got into the hobby, I, I started to sort of make my own terrain sets and quickly realized the labor that it was to do everything. Like learning a little bit of, of that trade is it's a totally different skill set than let's say miniature painting, and it's a different skill set than let's say airbrushing. So they're all under the same umbrella, but it's, it's a big umbrella, and there's lots of room between them. Um, Philip, have you done any sort of terrain building or anything like that? I know you did for mm-hmm. okay on. Yeah. yeah. So I have some experience, but it's definitely hard. I mean, I, right. I go into it basically just swinging blind half the time. I'm just hoping for a good turnout, which it turned out okay for okay on, but yeah, so, it's hard. <laughs> like We're just kind of acknowledging like what you do is a very specific skill set, and, and it's challenging. What do you think makes terrain such an important thing for war gamers and miniature enthusiasts and, and just gamers in general to really bring to their game table like why not just stack up some books and throw some tablecloths over and call it a hill you know what I, mean? I think at the end of the day it comes down to immersion yeah uh like I, i've done gaming pretty much going on 12 years at this point in sure. some form or another uh started off doing like video games slowly progressed to tabletop and eventually getting into war games and always the biggest thing for me is immersion because you can have you know your unpainted armies with your your books and your cans and your you know uh coffee creamer bottles and this will all work it works for the rules but at the end of the day you're moving a bunch of models around on essentially just a bunch of stuff laying on a table yeah but if you get like fully painted armies and you're playing on you know, a Warhammer 30K Istvan 3 board that actually duplicates, you know, the fight between the Loyalists and the Heretics. Right. And you have all this intricate detail everywhere. It just, it absorbs you in so much more. And Definitely. pretty much everybody that I've ever seen who has got to play on those types of boards, it, they just love it. It makes the fun about ten times more. So considering, I mean, that, just the, how, how you described it kind of immersed me in it. It made me want to, mm-hmm. like, play on that kind of board. That sounds great. Why do you think, considering how how awesome? Because really, you're talking about if your hobby time is important to you, it's it's important to all of us, I think. But if it is, you want that hobby time to be be valuable. So why don't more people do that? Why don't more people have an immersive tabletop terrain set where they can they can fully do that? Like why don't more? Because I don't see that happen a lot. That's why people go to game clubs is because those clubs have their own terrain sets and they. Yeah. I think it. Uh, I think it goes into um, you know. To be blunt, our hobby is not cheap. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> uh, especially if you play. Uh, if you play Warhammer uh, these days, it is. It is pretty pricey. And it, then it, after the 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 price cost, it also comes into the time cost. Yeah. If uh, if you're wanting to do a really good job on your army, like let's say that it's just a hobbyist doing this, sure. you know, not someone who would you know get services. Uh, it takes a really long time to make an army uh, uh, look nice. Like some people are faster than others, but uh, 
it's a you know time and money uh, issue. You do get people who do make really good looking boards. We actually had a we had two guys locally here uh, at a comic shop fund like six boards for a four month league, and it looked amazing. Um, but they really like they they pulled out all the stops and it ate all of their spare time outside of family and work. Sure. So I think that's really what it comes down to. That makes sense. So they, you know it's one of, part of it. It's time and part of it's just money. So. The usual things that prohibit people from doing things. And I actually do have an example of that. Before I ever did this professionally, the first terrain set I ever did was for a local game store. I was working in the hotel industry, and it took me about a month and a half, probably at least 10 to 20 hours a week. And this is also while being able to do it at work, because I worked nights. Uh, and it was time-consuming just to create one board. Right. Now, part of that was probably... I mean, due to lack of experience, it was your first board. I mean, obviously, you're probably faster at some of this stuff than you are than you were. Oh yeah, it was a, it was a learning experience for sure. Uh, I kind of I kind of learned you don't cover a tabletop in tons of columns without reinforcing the columns. I, <laughs> I think every time I'd go into the game store, I'd end up like I just ended up leaving a bottle of glue there so I could fix the columns. <laughs> That's funny. Nice. So. Um... I guess I want to back up a little bit because terrain is like such a specific skill set that not all hobbyists do it. And in fact, many businesses build their business around that. So what was your background before you got into terrain building? Were you just a hobbyist or were you, I don't know, were you like an artist? Were you a college bound like bachelor of art or something? Or like, how did you get into it? Um, so it was kind of interesting how I got into all this. I kind of, so the funniest part is I remember being 19 and playing Magic the Gathering and seeing a bunch of people playing Warhammer and going, I would never get into this. <laughs> True story. <laughs> so, and then, you know, here 10 years, a little over 10 years later, I, you know, own a business in it. So it's kind of sure, interesting how that goes. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I went to college for graphic design. I got an associate's degree uh, in graphic design. So I started off very much on the digital side of things, sure. um, specialized in 3d uh modeling and uh video editing cool. uh and then it was actually the dawn of war video games that ended up getting me into the hobby um wow. started playing dawn of war getting really into the background for warhammer hit up a local hobby shop and it was all kind of downhill ever since uh it was <laughs> uh just uh yeah my my pocketbook suffered for many years <laughs> as i uh, bought i think i bought like two armies in a six-month period wow uh, yeah, up it. to like 2,000 points each. And it was like Necrons and Orcs. Uh, then I just ended up working with uh, some local hobby shops and getting really involved in the uh, scene and started doing like little commissions for my friends and building the terrain sets. And it was around that time that I started to take it really seriously. Nice. Okay. I mean, I think I hear that from artists sometimes where they, they start in graphic, not graphic arts, but arts. They start yeah. out with an art background. And I think that helps to sort of make the transition into the hobby a little bit easier because you have a sense of aesthetic and color and balance and that sort it of thing. So definitely helps. <laughs> nice, very cool. Yeah. What was interesting was uh, I remember the first model I ever painted to completion uh, was a little. We did like this Halloween um, uh, sort of like ghouls and zombies from the Vampire Counts kits. Sure. Uh, and it was just you know you you picked one and you got to assemble and paint it and then turn it in. And while I didn't win, a lot of my friends. Uh, thought I was like an established painter from the quality, and I was like, no, that's the first model I've ever painted. 
And yeah. that, that was kind of the dawning point of, hmm, I might actually be good at this. We were actually talking about that earlier, that some people just have more of a natural, in my opinion, some people have more of a natural inclination towards it. And, uh, like, it, it's, it's a skill that can be taught, but some people will just, just have a knack, like anything, mm-hmm. like a natural athlete or whatever. Uh, oh, yeah. So. Just like any art, uh, there's people that you can show how to do it, but then there's people who just, like, take to it like a fish to water. Right, exactly. Whenever I hear stories about, like, pro painters that are, like, you know, the, the people who do the, the painting for crystal brush or whatever, and they're like, oh, I've only been painting for a couple of years. I'm like, oh, yeah. my God. <laughs> Screw you, dude. Like, yeah, <laughs> F you, man. Like, this guy's just make me mad. Like, so mad. I actually have one of those artists uh, right now kind of – I'm teaching her yeah. uh, the basics because uh, she's like long-time artist. She does all sorts of 2D artwork, and she's a tattoo artist as yeah. well. Mm-hmm. And she's thought what I do is really cool for a long time. So I was just like, well, if you want to come learn, you could always build yourself up a portfolio and do this if you like. That's nice. And she's catching on really, really fast. I would think that with tattoo art because I, I would think that with like you know hand-eye coordination plus like – tactile control mm-hmm. like that would absolutely transition to a yeah. brush very fast yeah, put her on some freehand banners yeah, I'm man, she'll kill it sure, <laughs> sure. oh yeah yeah she um she was helping me on a, on a little project uh about a week or two ago and she did all the gold on 30 gray nights and didn't splotch once wow. and i was just like Good and this was her first time ever having painted a model awesome. i'm sitting here going you're yeah. doing really well for sitting down for your first time. <laughs> yeah, like my first, the first time I sat down, I think that everything looked like the Joker from like, like <laughs> Batman. Makeup. Yeah, oh my god, it was awful. <laughs> um, and I think there were gene stealers too. There was no justification yeah. for it at all. Mm. Um, all right, so let's. So you say that you were working with a whole bunch of local hobby shops, and you were working with different people. So you're based out of you're based out of where Utah, I want to say. Yeah, Provo, Utah. It's. Uh, I'm actually based about an hour, uh, thirty minutes. I think north of Blue Table. Okay, so so let's talk about that a little bit. That was where I first discovered you. I sort of saw you doing work for them. Were you doing work at local hobby shops, and then you kind of outsourced yourself to them, or was it more like how, how did that relationship work? And if you can tell us, like, what made you decide to branch off on your own a little bit, you know? Like, so um, so to kind of go into the Blue Table story, it's a bit of a, an interesting journey. Sure. Um, we actually we talked to Pixies and Pistols about a month ago. And, uh, what was that? We talked to uh, Janine and Thomas from Pixies and Pistols. Oh, um, yeah. So we yeah, had them really on the awesome. show about a month ago, and they're great. And uh, we, we talked briefly about, because they decided to do the same thing. They decided to branch off, open their own service. And it's you know, it's just interesting to hear when, when artists that are part of a bigger service decide to go off and do their own thing. For me, yeah. I find it very interesting. Yeah, and Thomas, actually, I'm working with him also. He's going to be taking part in our 40K campaign that we're producing for our YouTube channel this uh, summer. Okay. Uh, so he's going to – so they're, we're going to be showing off some of their product as well. We're yeah. doing some cross-promotion with Pixies and Pistols. That's awesome. Um, just to kind of – you know, because it helps when you cross-promote with people. I agree. Yeah, tell them we said hi. Uh, so uh, getting back to the uh, – how I got into Blue Table um, – Essentially, what it was is I had worked for about six years in the hotel industry. Sure. Um, I'm not going to say it was a horrible experience because I got like a lot a of concierge. Down- or- I used to work at a hotel, but it was a hotel restaurant. Uh, it was the night audit. I was the guy oh. who's there at three in the morning, sitting behind the desk. That sucks. <laughs> hmm. That's a that's a long and, that's uh, a long shift. <laughs> what was that? That's a long shift. Oh yeah, there were there were times my sleep was very very uh, messed up for a number of years. I value my sleep very heavily now. <laughs> nice. Um, 
but it gave me a lot of downtime to, you know, get into the hobby. I got involved online in forums, and I got to, you know, check out the YouTube channel. So I just became a longtime uh, viewer of Blue Table, you know, because they were kind of the at the time they were the biggest people. They were. Doing they were. Blue they Table. were absolutely one of my original influences. Yeah, and um, I remember what had just happened when uh, when. I came across the idea of working for Blue Table because I was—I'm originally from Lexington, Kentucky, okay. so it's about two thousand miles east, and I had just got done uh, paying off a bunch of uh, medical stuff, and was kind of looking at just my life in general and being like, okay, so I'm not really doing anything other than working at a hotel. I'm kind of tired of just living in my hometown. And it was about that time that Blue Table was looking for a terrain artist. And I was just like, eh, sure, let's give this a shot. <laughs> nice. Wow. So that was just kind of you jumped in. So <laughs> did you... Yeah, I had actually been uh, planning on starting a small, like, home studio for a while and sure. maybe building that up over time. Yeah. But I saw Blue Table was hiring, and I said to myself, this would be the ultimate chance to see how it's done, like, at a, at a big professional place. Right get that experience and then transition to your own thing i mean that makes sense exactly i figured best case scenario i end up with an awesome job and career working for a good company worst case scenario i learn some things work there for a while and then go do my thing that sounds like a, a very you know good way to look at that so which of those was it was it somewhere in between was it the best was it the worst was it um i will just say this it was a learning experience and okay. i uh, very quickly realized that i would be starting my own thing later on <laughs> all right so that sounds fine so, how long were you there, give or take? I think I was there about a little under six months, about okay. five oh, months from the time I moved <laughs> yeah, out very there. Brief. You <laughs> learned quickly and moved on. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, there was there were some uh, transitional issues. Uh, but with, you stayed in um, Utah. It sounds like. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Utah is far better place to live than Kentucky. Uh, you know, I got nothing against Kentucky; it's my home state. But I like Utah a lot better, a lot more stable than uh, than Kentucky's economy. <laughs> Probably a lot less racist. Maybe, <laughs> Possibly, maybe. Yeah. Uh, okay. A lot so, what? <laughs> no, I said I said racist. I just yeah. Oh, okay. off the top of my head. Uh, the um, South. What are you gonna do, yeah, right? Exactly. <laughs> All right. So you uh, moved on. You started your own terrain studio, and now you've kind of branched out and you do your own thing there. Why don't we talk about the terrain process? Because you know, I think that it's such a. First off, there's not a lot of guys in the U.S. that do it. Like, the, lots of people do terrain. But not a lot of people actually sell it as a service, and they, they kind of mm -hmm. think of themselves as a provider. There's one guy on, on YouTube that does a lot of terrain, but he mostly just builds it. He doesn't really paint it that much. Um, so what you the perk you offer is kind of unique. Um, there's a lot of guys out in the UK that do it, but there's just not a lot of people that do what you do out here, um, which is great. So why don't you kind of walk us through walk us through a terrain set? Like if I'm a client, I contact you and I say I want I don't know a toxic sludge factory. And I want my, my models to fight uh, across this this factory that's destroyed and desecrated. Like so, so walk me through the project. How does that work? Well, first I would be like, you're one of the clients I love because toxic sludge factories are fun to build. There you go. <laughs> okay, good start. So um, usually the way it works is I will uh, go back and forth to kind of work out the details exactly of what what game they're playing. Okay. You know, uh, what size table they're playing on. You, there's also artistic license comes into it because I offer deals like I offer 10% off of uh, the price if they basically tell me I want this concept but you're free to get cut loose okay. uh, 
just because it's it makes it a little bit easier sure. uh, to to get the terrain built if I can kind of just go with it at that point and we'll, we'll we'll build a concept we'll build a number of pieces sizes of pieces you know just get a general idea of you know how how big how dense the the table is going to be that makes sense. um then once we've gotten all that together at that point we you know finalize quotes and uh that's when we take our 50 percent deposit for the project uh it gets put into the pipeline and then when it comes up, uh, sometime between the uh, deposit and usually a, about a week or two before the actual project starts, uh, I'll be doing like sketches here and there, and I'll send them off to the client. And as long as they're cool with it, or they, you know, they can make request. Even with artistic license, I allow clients if they go, I absolutely hate that. Can we change it? Then I'll, you know, change it. So. Sure. Okay. Though, to be honest with you, I've never had that happen. <laughs> well, presumably, if they're touching base with you, it's because they like the work. I would think. Like they've looked at, hopefully, you know, they've looked at your gallery, they've looked at your portfolio, they see what you've done in the past, they have a sense for who you are, the colors you tend to favor, the, the terrains, you, the materials you tend to favor, you know, and that should exactly. be, hopefully you're attracting the right client. Yeah, and, and, you know, admittedly, my style is much different from other people's style when it comes to terrain. Um, I think one of the, one of the things that I stand out the most with is I, I don't like to, to base all the way onto the bevel on the bases, and a lot of people comment on that. And some people like it, and some people don't. I've even had requests from people that I, you know, base all the way over the edge. So, you know, different styles for different people, but I feel like uh, so most people get basing, an idea of it. I hate it when the basing material spills over the bevel. I don't like that at all. Yeah. Like, that just drives me nuts. Well, I guess if you want fluid, seamless transitions I between guess, the hill and the base. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I can see how different styles have different. I had a, I, there was a guy emailed me the other day, and he wanted to terrain because we do some terrain. We don't do it like you do it. We don't have do, we don't have a client base for it. We have it's more like a hey, do you also do this? But he was like, can you match it to? Um, he wanted to get a fat mat from Frontline. He was like, can you match the terrain to the, the fat mat? And I was like, no, not really. Like, not only is it you know a, what I you know what I call those though. when when someone uh, messages me about that. What? I call that an excuse for a for a uh, a new fat mat. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> for sure, for sure. There you go. Should probably get one. Yeah, so. just to have one. But. Um, all right. So you work it out with the client. You figure it all out. You figure out their budget. You figure out their queue. About how long does it take you to build an average? Like, let's say, um, uh, I don't know. Most people who play uh, wargaming play on like a four by four or four by six surface. So let's say yeah. something about that that size. Uh, about how long should I expect to wait from that? Like once I come up in the queue, yeah. Uh, once once we actually uh, start work on the project, it's usually between I'd say three to six weeks. Okay. Uh, it depends if it's just like an average size project, then it's about that time frame. Um, now it also depends on level because I do have uh, th- three different levels at present. Though we are introducing a fourth level here soon. I'll talk about that a little bit later. Sure. Uh, but it, it's usually between about three to six weeks, uh, roughly. Uh, because we have to build it, and then once we've built it, we have to paint it. So, right. you know, there's a long process to make sure not only that it's built to look nice, right. it's built to last. Because the worst possible scenario you get when you get, like, cheaper terrain, say, off, like, eBay, mm-hmm. is it looks good, but it's going to be dead within about six months. Yeah, you see that a lot in the game stores. You'll see, like, chipped terrain, terrains that's falling to pieces, that kind of thing. And, you know, at least I do. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. Definitely. They- I don't know if you want to get into this, but I would. I, I'm very curious about materials that you guys use, and like how much of it is just you know you buy from the local hardware store. How much of it is you buy from a manufacturer like GW Terrain? 
Um, yeah, that's a good point. Like, so for some people, like, you want to mix and match drain. Like, I know that when I was watching your work over at Blue Table, a lot of it was foam, of course, and then you would kind of, it looked like you sort of would base coat most of your stuff kind of black uh, before you would get into the real painting. So I kind of got a general sense for it, but, like, yeah, why don't you talk about the materials a little bit? So um, the way we used to do it at Blue Table was kind of a simple way of doing it. I've actually developed a much better system for it uh, over the years. Uh, I don't exclusively base in black anymore. Now what I do is I will look for the most predominant color that will be on the set, which, you know, to be blunt, is usually the color of the ground. Because if you have any sort of ruins or anything like that, you'll want to do that. or gray or something along those, like, depending on what the set is, of course. Exactly. Now, there are situations in which basing black is a good idea just because if you want a darker undertone, you know, that that kind of painting stuff. So now I do tend to branch out a little bit more. Uh, Like when I did the the Bearded Dragon Castle Tower, I actually based the whole thing gray and then went through and uh, highlighted everything up and did different colorings on different things. Nice. Well, that makes perfect sense. Uh, s- now, materials-wise, we still do. Uh, we use a lot of foam. We use a lot of foam core, uh, eighth-inch hardboard, which we get like from like Home Depot and Lowe's. Uh, it depends on who has stock because you know they they change their stock so often that I'm constantly looking and seeing. Okay, do you guys have it right now? No, you don't. When are you going to get back in? Well, I call up the other place, and I have basically about three different companies I go to depending on who has stock uh, to do that. Um, and then from there, it's just a mixture. There's so many different types of materials we use. Uh, Liquitex brand, uh, finishing uh, gels, uh, pastes. Every it, The list is a mile long. <laughs> yeah. um, hot glue is definitely a thing, um, which you would think that you would not need hot glue a lot, but for speed's sake, you do, because right. there are better glues out there, but when it takes you know five hours for something to dry versus yeah. hot glue... You just reinforce the heck out of it really hard, and then you seal everything. Sure. Now, how, when you say seal, I'm very curious, because how do you protect something like foam from getting banged up? What kind of sealer do you use? Uh, I use multiple sealers. Okay. So there's a sealing process after assembly has been completed, and then there's a sealing process after painting has been completed. The painting one is pretty easy. You're really just getting it with uh, with tester's dull coat is what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, now... During the winter, that really sucks because when you spray a tester's dull coat through an airbrush, uh, it, it, it's pretty fumy. It is pretty mm-hmm. noxious. Sure. <laughs> Plus, it's uh, kind of tacky, so I imagine it would clog your airbrush up, too. Uh, actually, uh, not when you uh, – we dilute it with some uh, Tamiya um, lacquer thinner. Okay. So we dilute it a little bit and then spray it through, and it actually dries pretty good. Nice. Very cool. Good little trick. So what about <laughs> now, for the first coat? Now, for the first coat, it's going to depend on what exactly we're going for. But So, like, if we're doing something like a concrete wall on a ruin, uh, I'll do stuff like, uh, what is it called? Liquitex uh, Gesso, uh, like Super Heavy Gesso. Have you seen that stuff? I have, yeah. It's it's almost sort of like a a thick priming paint almost. Mm -hmm. It's kind of hard to explain. Exactly. And it also helps so that if, uh, if I decide to, like, sometimes I will... Uh, find that a spray can will work a little bit better uh, for a given situation. Sure. Um, we also use stuff like uh, whenever I seal it with the gesso, I can go through with an enamel spray over top of that once the gesso is dried, especially for something like ruins where you're going to get pits anyway. Sure. Um, 
but it varies from from piece to piece. There's other times where I'll do just a 50-50 uh, glue and water, uh, like brushing it on. Uh, it, it varies basically on what the texture of the piece is. Some things will work for one, whereas others, they won't. Do you ever, and I'm sure you don't, because now that I think about it, I don't think it would work. It'd be, you know, obviously one of the reasons you can't use mostly enamel or aerosol-based paints is because the they will eat through your foam when you use that as a material. It sounds like the sealing process is designed to sort of protect that. You know, kind of. uh, the Gesso is really good about doing that. Yeah. Um, there were some buildings I did a while back uh, for Bearded Dragon that that was a technique I used, and it helped also make the paint adhere a lot better. Nice. Uh, even even uh, like you can do a stippling effect to create a texture effect on it too. So in that case, I also used it as a texturing oh. effect as well as a uh, as a sealing and priming uh, step. And this is the same material that I think a lot of artists will use on, like, canvas. To kind it is. Of it's a primer for your yeah. canvas. It's, and you can get different exactly. colors. I think white is the primary, but I'm sure yeah. there's other colors you can get. So it's relatively inexpensive, I would guess, per person. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's about $10. I, 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 I won't lie. I keep a list in the back of my head, and anytime I swing by Hobby Lobby for any reason, sure. I just run in and grab something, and yeah. I just keep a stock. <laughs> that makes sense. Because... Because, you know, that 40% off coupon, that saves you. I've probably <laughs> saved hundreds of dollars doing that. Nice. Nice. All right. So that sounds, like, pretty involved. It sounds like at every step of the way you're looking for ways to protect and reinforce the project and just make sure that it will it will last, it will be durability yeah. of the project. Yeah, and I think I do a pretty good job on it. Um, the one thing I do state to people is, you know, I think that most of the stuff that I make will hold up to regular play pretty easily. Just don't go punting it into a wall. Though we did have a situation where one of my personal pieces did that. <laughs> nice. How did it endure? Uh, it, it it survived. It didn't it didn't have a single dent, a single break, or anything. It was just a little hill, and it was blending in really well with the particular battle mat that we had it sitting on. Sure. So one of the guys just picked it up, and it flew across the room on the concrete, skidding. Wow. Because. We have a, you know, we just work out of a garage, basically, sure. and uh, it it didn't get dented at all. So obviously the the, the process works. Nice, very good. What's been your um, favorite terrain set so far that you've built? Oh, that's a hard question. Okay. Um, Maybe the, your favorite recent terrain set. Okay, favorite recent terrain set. I'm gonna have to say the jungle set we did a couple months ago. Okay, that one turned out really nice. Cool. Uh, it was sort of like an orc jungle with a little bit of a temple district for it. Nice. Uh, Bearded Dragon Games out of uh, uh, New Jersey. Uh, that was the client we were doing that for. And we're actually doing two more of them uh, for them here soon. Cool. Uh, I mean, I can ask a million questions because I love terrain and I love basing and looking like natural basing. Jungle terrain has always been one that's like super complicated because there's so many different types of foliage. Yeah. There's oh, leaves. Yeah. Or, do you just... I see a lot of people buy like aquarium stuff for that, but... It doesn't always look the best. Do you use like like aquarium things, or do you find yourself like buying some of the more expensive stuff sometimes, or do you all scratch? Building? So, when it comes to jungle terrain, I I kind of take this whole like um, this whole like hoarder approach when it comes to terrain materials, especially jungle terrain. Uh, a friend of mine was working at a pet shop. And he suddenly told me one day that they had an amazing sale going on. It was like 75 cents per jungle, like, aquarium piece. Mm -hmm. So I bought, like, $100 worth of them. (laughs) Nice. Nice. So you just went in and bought them out of stock. Basically, yeah. I keep an eye out for stuff like that because 
it's not necessarily about, oh, this piece is good, we can just toss it on there and done. It's more like this is raw material. Like when I went through and sure. made the jungle trees for that set, uh, I actually used a combination of pine tree branches okay. out of my backyard and yeah. then clipped off different pieces and glued them into place to create sort of like an alien foliage on top of the branches. Then we would actually like pin them in the foam with a combination of hot glue and you know drilling through everything. So it sounds like it's a mixture of organic and inorganic materials to create kind of a natural. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Nice. Can't beat branches. Branches are the most (laughs) natural wood out there. Bark sticks. I I know. I find like I find myself probably extremely awkward and weird sometimes because I'm out there like in my apartment area and there's like cool pieces of bark on the ground. I'm like picking them up and like collecting them. <laughs> I'm sure people are looking out their windows. Kids like, are what scared the of you. It's like, there's the tree man again, mom. Yeah. Stay away from him. Picking up pine cones and putting them in my pocket. Oh. <laughs> Last year I had a had an encounter like that. There were some guys doing some construction like about two blocks down the road from me and I was just out for a walk and I see all these really nicely shaped rocks with good textures on them because, you know, foam takes imprinting really well when you press it into the, the rock into the foam. So I'm sitting there, like, digging through all these this debris, and, you know, it's not every day a construction worker sees a man with a beard halfway down his chest just digging through rocks. So they're like, what are you doing? And I just told them a little bit and then showed them on the phone, you know, pictures to what I do. But at first they were really worried. <laughs> you know, like, this guy's going to shoot I wonder that's a good, like hookup kind of because imagine like construction workers i bet go get tons of materials i wonder if you could be like hey any suggestions on where i can pick up a bunch of right. cheap like broken up pieces and stuff and just use it or get it off your hands <laughs> yeah i've got a, a couple a couple friends that keep eyes out for me for uh materials like that That's awesome. every once in a while they'll give me a, a big haul and i'll be able to save a couple hundred bucks or something like that nice so um, let's talk about pricing a little bit because obviously, like as you said earlier, like gaming is expensive. We get into it, you know, and we don't realize quite how many expenses there will be, uh, especially in the age of Kickstarter where there's all these new games coming out all the time. Um, so on your website, it says something about that you charge a flat rate of three hundred dollars a day. Now, does that that's correct? Would that would that go to say that if you're working on a project of mine for three to six weeks? that I can expect that that's like $1,500 a week for those three to six weeks. So um, what will an average train set cost me? What does a, a $300 a day buy me? You know what I mean? Like, does that yeah. include materials? Like, so talk us a little bit about your pricing. Okay. So basically what, what it uh, comes down to is I also have an Etsy store that I'm constantly, uh, every once in a while I'll put up new products. Sure. What it comes down to is the, the day rate we have is for the custom stuff. Okay. We actually, charge a lower rate for the things that we just you know we have designs for because sure. if you go on our etsy store you can see for just a couple hundred bucks or even less in some cases if we're running a sale um you can get a, a full terrain set for you uh just shipped to you no questions asked you don't even need to talk to us nice. um now that's just you know for the prefabricated stuff like we've got some infinity terrain we've got some 40k general ruins sure. i'm actually even putting together a new version of the 40k ruins that are going to be overgrown with forests but the day rate is more for you know we're going to be taking specific requests and um that's where that pricing comes in now it depends on what the level is of the set and also how many pieces and complexity if we're just doing like a straight up 40k ruins set that's going to have you know some specific bits on it you know pretty simple stuff you're usually looking at a about a, a minimum of a two-day build, so you're usually looking at about four to six hundred dollars minimum. Okay. 
uh, for that. And then anywhere from from there, it can be like, you know, five to six days into a project. Okay. And then that that's where you start getting into like the $1,500 to $2,000 projects. Okay. So Like the most expensive project I think I've done was $2,500. Wow. Was that yeah? What was that kind of set? Was that just a really extensive set? Uh, it, it's the Middenheim one. I'm still in the process of finishing up. It's been a it's been a monster of a project. Nice. But it looks amazing. It's something like I think 50 pieces individually. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, because it's like uh, it's built for the old the old GW game Mordheim, but it's full. It it stacks a six foot table to super dense like infinity levels. Wow. wow. Very okay. cool. Yeah, Mordheim was, back when I remember it being, it was kind of, um, they had a modular terrain set for it, but it was mostly just bulkheads, I think. Or maybe that was Necromunda, I was going confused. Mm-hmm. Oh, Mordheim was the fantasy version, never mind. Mm-hmm. So they just had, like, cardboard cutouts for those buildings. It was just like, it was Yeah, kind of yeah, they did have that. <laughs> I think they had a sprue that was, like, corners and, like, shutters, maybe. And then you could kind of build your own buildings, but no one ever did, so yeah. they just had a bunch of <laughs> shutters and, and corners. Um, so that's really cool. So yeah. um, how do you balance out, like your terrain service with your miniature service? Because you, as you said, you offer both, and I, I imagine some clients even want both. So how do you kind of balance your day-to-day workflow with you know, a very diverse client pool that probably requests different sorts of projects you have to put on different hats to kind of do oh, that? Oh, yeah. You know? um, so it's in the past, it was a little difficult to, uh, to balance that out, sure. um, which did affect us a little bit. But I finally figured out that it, I just throw everything into the pipeline according to deposit. So I just shift gears from project to project. Whatever I'm working on at the time is what I'm focused on. Though I will admit sometimes when you're sitting there painting, you know, 150 guardsmen, you want to cry a little bit. Sure. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I see crying. What, <laughs> what I'll commonly see happen is I'll, I'll, I'll be working on models for a while and then I'll get the terrain itch. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And I'll, I'll kind of be like, I can't wait to work on this terrain project. So it'll, like, make me focus more to finish up the models that I'm working on so I can work on terrain. And then vice versa. You know, if I'm working on terrain for a while, I'll start getting the itch to sit down and paint. Makes perfect sense. So it, it kind of allows you to kind of stretch both of your creative muscles, so to speak. Exactly. And sometimes I learn tricks with one that I can then incorporate into the other. That's smart. Nice. Um, what about for people that want to build their own terrain? Do you have any kind of tips out there for those guys who are looking at your work, want to emulate it, and kind of want to get into it on their own? Um, my biggest tip is to uh, join some Facebook groups because there are guys out there who they just put up these amazing tutorials like Terrain Tutor and DM Scotty. And it really just comes down to what they're aiming for and what kind of basic tools they have at their disposal. Building terrain is not really hard or difficult. It can be space-consuming. Yeah. Uh, so that's usually the biggest tip I tell them is, do you have a dedicated space? Do you have a garage? Do you have somewhere you don't care is going to get dirty as heck? Right. Because if you don't, then that kind of becomes the problem of, you know, your, your kitchen table is going to get taken over and you're going to have to do this all at once right. rather than can you work on this over an extended period of time. Right. I mean, I just put together a display board the other day, and my, my I didn't have enough room, so my area where I had it was was just covered in bits of foam and bits of debris and glue and just everything. It was a mess. So, yeah, definitely. I think that's a good tip. Oh, yeah. it's It make, it causes a big mess. I have to go through the studio once every two weeks with a broom. Sure. 
Well, why don't you tell us a little bit? We mentioned this, um, or you talked to us about this briefly. You said something about you have a 30K Legion project coming up for the 30K Avi. So why don't you tell us a what little bit about that? 30K? You had mentioned to us in the past that you have a 30K Legion project coming up. Oh, yeah. Um, so basically, me and a couple of the guys are getting into 30K this summer. Nice. So we were sitting there talking about it, and all of us are like basically laying claim to which Legion we're going to do. I'm doing World Eaters, by the way, because, okay. you know, blood for the blood god, just not yet. <laughs> um, but um, we just came up with this idea of we really, really, really want to paint some, some 30K Legions and build up our portfolio for it. So what we're going to be doing is we're going to be running a uh, an ongoing... Uh, promotion for all 30k legions that people want to get commissioned through us and uh, we have three levels at present for painting we have our minimal horde level which this doesn't apply to uh, that's more of like your your standard three color that you put a 200 orcs down on sure you don't want to pay an arm and a leg for that right uh, this applies to our tabletop and our high detail levels Uh, so for tabletop we're going to be knocking five percent off uh, legions until we have all 20 Okay. Nice. Uh, and then uh, for right high right. detail, it's going to be ten percent off. Okay. Nice. So and it's, mix a level. And these are going to be they're going to be first come first serve. So if someone grabs the Night Lords Legion and you wanted to do Night Lords, you'll have to choose a different one to to get that discount. So they could still do it. It would just be a regular commission at that point. Exactly, because we it's it's kind of we're wanting to be able to put that in our portfolio and also get the experience of painting it. Yeah. Uh, so we figured we just make that an ongoing thing until we've gotten all the legions painted. Nice. Sorry, awesome. I mean you kind of had a plan like that with the two thousand points for two thousand dollar type thing. Right, and we and we do that, but our problem was is we just didn't have enough of a client base. Like frankly, like Horus Heresy just didn't kick off for us. True. Like we only had we did one sample set and we thought it was fine. It is fine. But we just haven't had a 30k client base. I'm not saying there are, aren't people that are into it, but they're not my clients, like right. clearly. You know. Yeah, and mostly I hate to say it, but you know, uh, two of the legions are already going to be taken, like because I'm doing world eaters, and then uh, I believe Lath is doing Iron Hands. Sure. And we've got a couple of friends that are doing some of them, but we're not counting those towards it. Just those two, since both me and Lath are yeah. going to have those on hand, just in general. I've had this thing recently where people ask, like, do you have a sample of this painted? Like, I had a guy asking us about, like, he wanted a Stormwolf project, or Stormwolf Space Wolves. And he was like, do you have a sample of Space Wolf Army you can show me? And I was like, well, no, we've got 6,000 other things that we painted, but I haven't painted a Space Wolf, so I I don't have that. And so it kind of feels like you have to sort of, you know, painting every individual army is a good idea because it gives you that nice broad portfolio where you can be like well did you paint this yes we did did you paint this yes we did like um so that's a really smart idea i like it um yeah and that's also why we decided to do it as an ongoing promotion it doesn't have a time frame until we've just done enough of the armies uh so that way you know we may not go through all of them like in a couple of months but over the course of a year or two yeah. we're eventually you know hopefully going to build up enough of a portfolio to be like look at all the 30k armies we've done yeah you know? that's great i like it a lot well, i'm willing to bet that once we're done with that we'll probably shift gears to another game and do the same thing well especially with all the other little games that are coming out now like i just read something earlier about lost patrols coming back and yeah. Um, a lot of those little like gw games are coming out plus again with all the new kickstarter stuff it's always coming out um, there's not there's not a lack of material to paint, you know. I'm so excited for Blood Bowl. You don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? Good. My brother's an active player, so that's great. Like, it's got a huge cult following. 
Yeah. Um, so where can people find out more about your work? Like where what, where should they look for you on Facebook? Where should they look for you online? How should they reach uh, out? We're all over the place. Okay. My, my marketing girl, Brittany, is amazing. Uh, if anybody ever needs any marketing, just hit me up and I'll, I'll point you to her. She does an amazing job with her social media. Awesome. We're on Facebook. We're on YouTube. We're on Twitter. So, we're on Instagram. Okay. We're on Pinterest. And then we also have our website with our blog. Okay, so I'm guessing oh. just follow, just type in Titan Terrain Studio on Google and look for any of those social media platforms or look for your just general website and, and we'll, uh, we'll post a link to that so people can get to you directly. Um, yeah. Is there any kind of last tips you have for people, like signing off or anything like you want to sort of impart, you know, knowledge for the masses or anything like that? Maybe why should people choose Titan Terrain Studio over, let's say, us? We sell terrain. Like, why, why are you our competitor? Why should they say F you to white metal and uh, go with Titan Terrain? <laughs> well, first off, if they if they're, they're there's no reason they I mean, couldn't do You do both. a lot better terrain than we do, so they should. But let's say they didn't, <laughs> like, for sake of argument. <laughs> I'd say that, like, the biggest thing is uh, we're, we, we do a lot of different things, sure. and we're not afraid to tackle new things that we don't do. Like, nice. I'm in the process of getting our casting department together. We just purchased, like, $1,200 worth of smooth-on... Uh, equipment, and we're going to start doing casting, and hopefully do our own like bits and miniatures over the next year. I think that's a great idea. I mean, especially yeah. with terrain, because you can produce certain bits over and over again. Like, oh yeah, even something simple like a rocky outcropping, like the just barrels. mass produce or barrels, <laughs> yeah. yeah, anything. Like really, like rather than buy it from from distributors and and that sort of thing. That's really smart. And, and another reason is also we are we're pretty generous with the discounts. Like, yeah. I'll be honest with you, if I see a I had a I had a client uh, hit me up to do a heavy metal bloodthirster nice. uh, here locally, and he uh, he only had the budget for our uh, tabletop level, but I thought it was such a cool concept that I was like, dude, I I really want to paint this, so I'll just if you if you do tabletop, I'll kick it to high detail just because you know the metal gods demand it. Yeah, <laughs> I do that sometimes with clients when there's something I really want to do. If it's a cool project, if I think it'll be a good portfolio project, then I'll cut them a deal. Yeah, like that's smart thinking. Well, um, Matt, you've been a real joy to have on the show tonight. We're really excited to see what Titan Terrain Studio does moving forward. Um, we're going to send some links to you so that people can follow your work. They can find out more about your service and book you guys down the road. Um, and don't forget, they do both both terrain and miniature painting, so you get everything in a one-stop shop with them. Um, and Matt, thank you so much for being on the show tonight. We really appreciate it. Oh, and thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. Great. And guys, we'll be right back after this brief break. Right back after this. Let's be honest. You'd rather be playing than painting. Let White Metal Games take the hassle out of painting and assembling your miniatures. We have a team of dedicated professionals who will make sure your miniatures stand out on the tabletop. Contact us at info at whitemetalgames.com. White Metal Games. Put your minis where your mouth is. Hey guys, welcome back. We're going to jump into our one minute ranter gush tonight, and Philip's got a gush for us this evening, so we're going to let him gush. Gush, yes. So, um, yeah, so I just want to talk briefly about the Kickstarter uh, for Twisted. Now, this actually has ended already. It ended, I think, like a week ago. Um, But they should be launching in November. It's basically like a steampunk, um, steampunk world where there's each player controls their own kind of gang um, and they're fighting for control apparently over this uh, third entity called like the machine. And I guess it's actually somewhat sentient um, being. I'm not sure exactly what it is, uh, but it 
plays a role in the game and can change the mechanics and rules of things. Um, very cool, but as a hobbyist, I think the miniatures are beautiful. Um, they kind of feel like steampunk version of League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, if you're familiar with that movie. I am very familiar um, with that movie. All, they even have guys like the uh, so Dr. Like, Jekyll, Mr. Right, Hyde type say, character. Right, classic horror monsters in that. Yeah. So they, they do a really cool job, and the, uh, the Kickstarter pages sell up, so you can still see what the models look like, and nice. you get a pretty good bang for your buck. Uh, they use, it's all metal. Um, if you kickstart, you could get resin, but um, it seems to be on quality with uh, kind of like Infinity, very high quality miniatures. Um, and it's from two guys based in Australia, so they all, they're Golden Demon winners, so they, and they have a lot of background in uh, game design. Uh, miniatures, painting, and sculpting. So it seems like it's going to be a fun game. I'm excited for it. They have their own terrain as well that you can get. And um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm, good. I'm looking at it now, and there's some beautiful looking models here. Mm-hmm. Um, I love, I love the steampunk aesthetic. I actually wish that we had clients requested more. Um, but I think it's one of those things where you haven't, if you haven't done a lot, you don't have a lot of samples to show. So people yeah. don't. It doesn't come up in, in our SEO. Like we just don't have a lot of, of people looking for steampunk. But it's such a unique look. It's so it different. Is. It's so out there, um, and um, it's refreshing. Are, I mean, it's yeah. different enough that it makes things interesting. And it's a wonderful kind of way to combine different things you like. Like I like movie monsters. I like Metal Gears and Cogs. I'd love to see them together, like twisted up, yeah, and, and kind of torn apart like that. I feel Very like cool. it, it's almost a bridge between sci-fi and fantasy. Yeah, I've seen a lot of like, yeah. There's another nice thing in here they have. They actually have, I'm just looking at it now, they actually have this image where they show the model casting process. They show the bare metal version of the model, the bare resin, an undercoated model in in metal and an undercoated model in resin. And it kind of shows you just the the difference Mm -hmm. between the the metal and the resin. And uh, again, I love pewter because I love the impression you get out of it. Yeah. Like quite literally. Like, it, it just, I, I just, I, I think the detail is just way better. It's way starker. Um, and the, 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 the terrain, like you mentioned, is really phenomenal. Um, it's simple. I mean, it's just like, two, it's kind of reminds me of like the way Death Ray designs, and a lot of, of these other companies yeah. do, where it's, it's, I guess, wood they're cutting out, like a... Yeah, I think it's like a very thin, I wouldn't say balsa wood, that's not exactly right. No. But something, but something along that mm-hmm. thickness, maybe. And you just so. punch it out, and it looks like you can just easily build it. It's yeah. modular, and you can kind of connect them together. they got little bridges and staircases and things, but they look, yeah, looks really nice. Very cool. So you pre-ordered this game, so you should have it coming out soon. Uh, they said November. It's Kickstarter, so I'll, I'll probably say it'll be, you know, maybe early next year. Nice. Before I actually get the get anything, but... Well, and when those models come out, we do have a special that will be launched by that time where um, basically if there's something that we don't have in our portfolio and we want to add it, we're thinking about offering a discount on that. Mm-hmm. So if you're a person that has this, you're also a Kickstarter supporter and we do not have anything in our portfolio by then, uh, feel free to contact us and let us know and we'll be happy to cut you a deal on getting it painted because yeah. we'd love to get into the steampunk painting genre. Like We'd love to add that to our portfolios. Maybe so. even go as far as to say, if you have a Kickstarter now that just finished and you want to yeah. learn, yeah, just right. go ahead and email go us about it. Go ahead and book us now. Yeah. Like, we'll give you a quote for the models, because we can easily create a quote based on what we're seeing here, mm-hmm. like to give you an idea, and then we'll talk about levels and stuff. And then as long as you lay down a deposit, I'll be happy to honor that, no problem at all. We'll, we'll give you a good discount, um, probably something like you know 8 or 10% off, 
So you'll, you'll get a, a sizable discount yeah. for even a smaller set. Normally, you don't get that discount with us until you get into like the thousands of dollar projects. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of savings without a lot of spending. So that's always nice. So, all right. Well, um, I actually don't have anything to rant or gush about tonight. I'm going to kind of just be. So you're the rancher. slacker. I am. I am. <laughs> I am a bit of a slacker. I'm not feeling. I'm not feeling ranty or gushy. Like my wife just left, so I guess um, I'm feeling a little lonely. Out of town, yeah. not like a. She leaves. <laughs> she <laughs> like walk out on me. It's not like. You know, yeah, this is really depressing. Oh my like, god! No, we're good. <laughs> she did ask yeah. me the other day. She was like, what are you guys, um, she was like, do you ever talk about me on the podcast? I was like, sometimes. I was like, sometimes in passing I mention that, like, I have a wife. But she's always paranoid, I think, that some weirdo's going to show up at our house and, like, you know, she's always very, very, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, do you, do you meet with people here? I was like, sometimes they'll drop off models or, or whatever. And, like, I think she's just paranoid that someone's going to, like, I don't know. That I, I, I don't think she entirely understands geek culture. Yeah. Like, most geeks are fairly, like, safe people. Yeah, like they're, they're nice, I can't think of, like, like, violent geeks. Right. I've met some guys that are huge, but they're just, like, gentle giants. Now, to be fair, I do remember hearing a story of some, like, high school where, like, WoW players were sure. opposing clans actually fought each other, like, got violent, really? physically violent with each other, yeah. Wow. At our, at our college, we had, um, when Fight Club came out, we had some theater kids wanted to start a fight club the night it came out. <laughs> But because they're in theater, they couldn't they had to be on stage. They couldn't. They was like there. There was a rule like you couldn't hit their face or something. Mm. And there was one fight one <laughs> night, and the, after that, no one ever fought again. That was really about, that was about the clip. Yeah, like they a got legit hurt. fight. Yeah, oh, they right. got hurt. Okay. They like actually hurt each other. I, don't know, I hear drama kids. I feel like no, was... well, this was in college, and I mean, I guess they're used to stage fighting, so they're yeah. not used to like actual fighting. Not that <laughs> I fight. Not punch. that I fight a lot of people. I don't fight. I haven't. I haven't been in a fight since I was in like grade school. Okay. Um, you know. But I'm not exactly the, the peak of physical health. I'm big, <laughs> but you know, just run around me and you'll wear me out. Um, so I have nothing to rant or gush about. Uh, but no, anyway. But the bottom line is that she, uh, she, she, she was like, "Do you ever mention me on the podcast?" I was like, kind of in the same way on the news. Like a, a newscaster might say, "Like my wife or my kids." Like I know that they have wife or kids, but I don't know anything about them. Yeah, I don't mention her by name or what she does for a living or where she, you know eats lunch like no one's gonna be like i like your husband's work or like something weird and chop up at your work. right yeah nothing like that that'd be weird. creepy all right so we're gonna we're gonna take a, a quick break and then when we get back in we're gonna jump into our outro and we'll be out of here for the week so we'll be right back after this are you a tabletop quality painter in the raleigh area with 10 hours or more a week to spare have you ever thought about becoming a commission painter before but you weren't sure it was right for you White Metal Games is looking for talented painters in the Raleigh area to join our studio team. You're paid by the job, not by the hour, so you can paint at your own pace. Send us pictures of your painted models to info at whitemetalgames.com, and we just might be interested in speaking with you. Put your minis where your mouth is. All right, guys, we are out of here this week. We hope you enjoyed our Easter Day podcast regarding Titan Terrain Studio and uh, all of the goodies that come with terrain. Um, We've been wanting to expand our terrain service this year, so we definitely wanted to talk with Matt and get some of his his underground tips, so to speak, and and he had some good ones, so I'm I'm eager to sort of implement some of those. Um, And as our display boards become more prevalent, we'll definitely take some of those tips and apply them. um, One of the things I didn't didn't get to talk with him about was whether or not he airbrushes terrain, Um, Mm. because I airbrushed the Citadel, and Jesus, that took forever. yeah, well, he mentioned that he might airbrush some of the sealing stuff. So yeah. I'm assuming, he ha- obviously, he has airbrushers. Right. I'm, I'm sure he And has. I didn't seal my terrain, so maybe that's something I should think about doing. Um, that's actually a pretty good idea. 
but I didn't want to use like any sort of clear coat because it would be really shiny and really sticky. Yeah. Um, so um, I'll, I'll definitely have to look in the tester's dull coat. That's a good idea. Um, next time on the show, we're going to be talking with Brandon of GMM. That's Gray Matter Musings. Mm-hmm. And I know that you're super excited about this. You're a bit of a fan yeah, of him. Definitely. He, he has such a signature look to his work that we're going to be talking about style and like how style plays into your miniature painting and you know, what style brings to the hobby. And style specifically is not necessarily technical, but it's more like your style. Like, mm-hmm. how do you paint? Because Brian is a, is a great technical painter, but on top of that, his look, his, his work has a look to it. Like, when you Definitely. look at his stuff, it's like, that's GMM. Well, it's interesting, too. We'll find I mean, we'll talk about this next time, but, I mean, Titan Terrain here, we talked to Matt, and he has a, he has a team he works with. They all kind of specialize. Uh, Brandon actually seems to have, do all of it. Right. And he He's does it very well, show. so, yeah. yeah. So, it'll be good. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Um, all right, so uh, that is it for this week. We are out of here. If you have any questions or comments about the show, feel free to email us at warcouncil at whitemetalgames.com. You can check us out on Facebook, Facebook slash warcouncil. You can find us on our website under podcast. Just go to whitemetalgames.com. Click on podcast, and you can see a link to all of our recent episodes. You can also download us on iTunes. Be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. Um, um, actually, you know what? I'm not going to go back and gush about, or rant about this, but I will. I will point out that you only are able to really analyze your podcast stuff on iTunes after you have enough uh, reviews. So please leave us a review. Mm-hmm. Like if you're interested, if you like the show, it would actually be really helpful to us. Not just in terms of like helping to keep the, the momentum going, but let us know what you like about the show, what you don't like. It doesn't have to be a link to review. You can give us a couple stars or, or, or tell us just like, good job, or you guys suck, or <laughs> anything, really. Or, I need um, to speak up more, or whatever. Yeah, you know, <laughs> audio quality poor, or like, whatever. Uh, talk more about, you know, anything. It doesn't matter. But that would actually be really great. So find yeah, us on iTunes and for War Council, and um, we'd, we'd love to hear what you have to say. All right, so for this week, uh, my name is Caleb Dillon with White Metal Games. I'm Phil Palmer with Brushwork Minis. And until next time, put your minis where your mouth is.